talk about why you shouldn't put Dr. Pepper in breakfast cereal. Yeah. Or we're going to talk about Marilyn Manson. We are chaos. Yeah, both so, of those are pretty chaotic situations, though. If you all you got is Dr. Yeah. Pepper cereal. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I was eating a stale cookie crisp, um, mm. which I'm not really a fan of cookie crisp. No, definitely not. I did try maple Cheerios, though. Mm-hmm. Fucking delicious. Yeah. Hey, I haven't had them yet, but I do have to tell you a quick story. So my wife, in her infinite wisdom, one time said, oh, they make Oreo cereal. And then, you know, a little while later, we had a bag, one of the big bags of the mini Oreos. So the the two translated to her that she should dump the big bag of mini Oreos into a cereal bowl with milk. And as you know, that that's just a horrible diabetic idea. Uh, Yeah. Felt like ultimate crap afterwards. But little disclaimer, don't ever do that. It, it, it's got to be a horribly uncomfortable situation. I would think that the cereal would stay crunchy longer than the cookies. Wouldn't the cookies just get soggy like almost immediately? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, one is designed to be in milk for, you know, two or three minutes while you eat it. And the other right. one is, you know, not even designed to be dipped like the yeah. counterparts. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, so we're going a little different route this week. Um, Marilyn Manson, We Are Chaos. I'm super excited about this because I, I am a fan of Marilyn Manson. See, I was an old fan. Like, I think Mechanical Animals was where I started to slightly tune out to the point where I don't actually remember any of his albums after that. Like, you know, I'd hear a song here or there, and, you know, I'd be like, oh, that's cool, whatever, and keep it moving. Uh, so, yeah. So, like, I'm a old school fan wouldn't necessarily call myself a fan today based off right. of you know, the so fact I'll give you decade a quick rundown then after mechanical animal animals was hollywood and the golden age of grotesque and a lot of people i think feel like that's when manson peaked was was probably in or about those three albums yeah um, and then after that, uh, what would he had that weird one? And I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it uh, had the, eat, uh, drink me. Yeah. Eat me, drink me. Yeah. Which that was a like super poppy one. So I feel like his hardcore fan base was turned off by that. And then oh, yeah. there was the high end of low where Twiggy Ramirez, the guitarist came back. And then there was a uh, born evil pale emperor, uh, heaven upside down. And, and now we're at this one. So just little tidbits that I found on this album. So the entire album was produced by Manson and Shooter Jennings. Yeah. And it's obvious in some spots. Like it is. It's, it's, it's like, you, even if you didn't know, you would have a sneaking suspicion. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, another, even if you didn't know it was produced by Shooter Jennings, the last two albums were produced by Tyler Bates. And this one is, they're they're not even in the same league this album and to me the previous three um i kind of grouped the previous three together um and i'll i'll get more into that i I wasn't a super big fan of the last three um and maybe because manson doesn't really hold the shock value that he used to hold um he and let's let's call a spade a spade. The dude's getting older. Um, yeah, and it, it's reflective in the new album too. Like just the yeah. way he's approaching his subject matter. Yeah, he's he's getting older, and and for a 
lot of artists you can you can tell and i'm not saying that's always a bad thing but i was under the impression that for him it was becoming a bad thing yeah i mean i like i said i haven't tuned in for a while but if you're screaming that the last three albums were complete garbage you know more or less then yeah that seems like a what is that 2012 so we're talking eight years you know, yeah. of some the last three albums, yeah. I could probably pick five tracks and put a playlist. Yeah. That's that's it. But um, to but also those three albums are the first ones that weren't on Interscope. Yeah. So the independent route may have done him wrong. Very possible. Um so the first track was Red, Black and Blue, and I I was listening to this in the car, so I didn't really see a timer on it or anything, but I thought this was an intro. Um, and when I first heard this, I wasn't super excited. I was like, okay, if this is what we're getting, and I don't, I don't think so. Um, and it was kind of on the same pace as the single from the last album. Uh, we know where you fucking live. Um, it's not bad. It's just not what I wanted. Un, until the chorus when the yeah, chorus no, came in yeah, i'm like the song oh, actually shit, started. Look, look who's back <laughs> yeah, yeah that's exactly it like uh what i when i my first note on it was it, like it was great texturally for an intro for the album like so when that you know when it came in that atmosphere of it i was like oh shit you know this is this could be something and then when his first lyric came in i was just like you know what this is what i remember you know, from back in the day. And then it's not as catchy as I kind of remember it being, but it reminded me more of like a quality album track, you know, from them. So I thought it was a little bit above average just in general, like, you know, not super great, but, but I thought it was a good way to start the project. Yeah. Uh, The next one, we are chaos title track. Also the first single I thought when I first heard this, I liked it Um, before I, you know, and I've kind of always liked the singles, even from the last couple albums that I didn't like as an album in a whole. Um, but I thought this was a good song. It was, it was a good anthem. Oh yeah. Uh, I thought the acoustic guitar vibe of it was instantly jarring. Like, cause I heard it as a single, but like coming from red, black and blue right into the acoustic guitar, I was like, Oh shit. It's like an all stop basically. Like you had a vibe and then you instantly killed it. But I think the song worked really, really well. Uh, and I think that Manson's voice and vocal effects that they put on will probably distract people who aren't really fans of him from liking the song more. Like, you know, an average listener with, I don't know, lack of a better word, more polished vocal sound would probably attract more people. But then the more I thought about it on my second listen, I'm like, I don't think that really matters because those people aren't going to listen to it anyway. Right. As we as we can tell by some of the people who didn't join us today that, you know, heard the name and was like, you know what? I'm not, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned so, the yeah. acoustic guitar on it, though, because so I actually so we both probably listen to this on streaming services. Um, Correct. The CD version has an acoustic version of this track. So I looked it up on YouTube and to me, the song is kind of acoustic as it is. Um, so I listened to the acoustic version and it, it, to me, it just sounds like a demo version. Well, a lot of times, like that's what it is. Cause you know what I mean? Like if shooter walked in there and is like, yo, I got this little riff for you. 
before they sat down to actually produce the song, if Manson was just like, you know what, I got something perfect for that, you know, and they sat down and, and shot it out, you know, like in an hour, hour and a half or whatever, you know, they wouldn't have time to fully produce the song. So it would make sense that, you know, you know, chord changes and all that other stuff that comes in with the fully complete version would be a little bit more polished, but yeah, I, uh, I liked it though, even though it was acoustic, it, you know, acoustic guitar feel. It just like, like I said, it was just the placement on the project, you know, just made it a little bit, you know, start stop for me. Yeah. But I still thought it was good. It was a good song above average, you know, I'm going out of five. So I gave it a four. So it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Next one is don't chase the dead. That was the second single that dropped the day before the album dropped. Um, so I did listen to this beforehand. Um, to me, this was a return to form. This song reminded me of late '90s Manson, and literally that's on... my, my first note reminds me of the late '90s. Yep. So I I got on Reddit to see what other people thought of the track, and what I found was people who ordered physical copies had already got their copies of the album. Yeah. And and they were you know without spoiling anything said if you like the two singles you're going to love this album. I, so... I can kind of see it. That's, that's when I, I kind of started to get excited because I, you know, from the last three albums, I was already, I was ready to be let down. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know. So, did, did you like it? Uh, Don't Chase the Dead, yeah, I gave it a four. Uh, I love the vibes and I love the vibe of the whole track. Uh, sonically, I thought it was great, even if it wasn't necessarily the Manson that I listened to in the late 90s. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds sort of the same, but, like, you can tell that he's obviously grown. Yeah. And, like, back in the 90s, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much as I did today. Um, but so far, yeah, yeah, I was four. You know, first three songs, I gave it four, like, slightly above average because, like, I didn't have, haven't heard greatness uh, but I also didn't have that super low expectation, you know, based off of not hearing the last three. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, like I said, I listened to it a couple of the whole project a couple of times. And uh, the earlier, the first half of the project, I definitely vibed with. Yeah. Uh, next is Paint You With My Love. This is a, a slow pop song. And I, I think this is probably tied for my favorite track on the album. And Absolutely, also, yeah. When I heard this, it this is this convinced me since we were already four tracks in that this is going to be a second tier album for me. Yeah, nice. So, but yeah, I uh, I like the like the shooter vibe of it. You know, it was uh, my notes are I I love the southern rock ballad vibe that they created. Like to me, like the more I listened to it, the more it had sort of like a '60s pop love song vibe. But yeah. then they went but then they went and remixed it in minor. You know what I mean? Like, have you seen the YouTube him... videos where the people do that? Yeah. It kind of yeah. sounded like that to me. It, I almost picture him singing this in like a grungy honky tonk bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can uh, give it, I, this is the first five of the project. Like the first song that I thought was really, you know, excellent. Yep. Uh, next one is halfway in one step. Uh, also tied for my favorite track on the album. Absolutely loved it. Loved the production. Uh, I don't super like the title of the track. I would have called it Champagne Problems. <laughs> yeah, that could have worked. Yeah. Uh, when I first heard it, the opening keys, I was like, oh, shit, this is a Linkin Park track. Like, just the way it came in. And then, like, yeah. the drums were so programmed. 
I'm like, this absolutely could have been something they created. Yeah. Like, just, just honestly, I was like, oh shit, this is a Linkin Park song, but then it didn't have the variations that you would come to expect. But uh, I thought it was a great song. Uh, I only gave it a four because I didn't, you know, gravitate towards it as strong as the last one. But uh, no, I thought it was a really solid one that had some replay value and would potentially grab some other listeners. Yeah. Uh, next one was Infinite Darkness. So to me, like this is vintage manson will probably be the next single and and this is the track ea sports is going to get yeah i can hear that because <laughs> they've gotten a few of his and and i feel like if they were going to get a manson track this is this is the one yeah, yeah i said this is the closest the, to the manson sound that i enjoyed when i was growing up like the closest one so far uh, i thought the southern rock elements brought out a different vibe instrumentally but i think it works well with the way Manson's singing on this project, yeah. uh, that it, his voice and the way that he can sing it uh, very much works with that outlaw type of a song structure that Shooter likes to put together. Yep. Next one was Perfume. Uh, I liked this one. I liked the the substance of the lyrics, despite the the very poppy sound. Um, and when you know when I listen to this, I'm picturing twenty something skinny Marilyn Manson when in reality we've got you know probably 25 pounds overweight 51 year old Manson like yeah, it, when I hear this song if you would have told me this was an album of b-sides I might have believed you yeah that, that and that fits well to what I got I was like it sounds exactly like what I expect from Manson like from being an old school fan like that's exactly what I expected but to me there was nothing that really stood out about it like so I, I gave it an average based on what else is on here but uh yeah so i could see it being feel like more of a leftover from his older stuff like because yeah. it fits right in with what i'm what i'm hearing where it sounds like what i expect but it's nothing little nothing special to it yeah uh next is keep my head together so this is like really the only one that did nothing for me like this track reminds me of the last three albums yeah, I mean that that makes makes sense. I like I I enjoyed the song, but I didn't. You know, there was nothing special about it at all. Uh, I thought it was an okay track. Kind of gave me a little bit of the '90s vibe, but not enough that I wanted to listen to it more than once. I listened to it three times. I listened to it before I wrote the review, but yeah, I won't. I probably won't listen to it again after today. Yeah, it's it's fairly skippable. Um. Solve Coagula. Uh, really, really, really like the guitar in this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have the opening riff made me immediately think this would fit into a movie. Like, yep. it's perfect anti-hero music, especially that uh, I'm not special, I'm just broken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that outlaw feel that Shooter's got in it, you know, in the instrumental. I mean, it, it really, like, to me, if we don't see it in some sort of anti-hero superhero movie in the next 10 years, I'd be surprised. And the last track, Broken Needle. Um, so I, I enjoy the song. I like the song. My only issue with it is, to me, it sounds like there's another version of this song somewhere, and we got the acoustic version. Come to find out, it's the exact opposite. On the CD version, <laughs> there's an acoustic version of this song. So I feel like maybe this song is just underproduced a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of feel that. Uh, I thought the acoustic vibe brought out the emotion of his lyrics well. 
uh, but it still sort of had that power ballad vibe to it. Um, so like, to me, it seems like the type of song that he would put in a show to transition in between sets, like in between the heavy stuff to before he brings it down real low, but I I really enjoyed it as it was. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where sometimes you you do the songs for the show and that just kind of felt like one of those that was engineered that way. Yeah, I just I think I just wanted this to be a coma white or a coma black so bad. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know maybe uh, maybe they'll release it as a single and B sided like they used to do back in the day. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the whole album. Uh, Metacritic gave this an eighty-two out of a hundred. Um, Consequence of Sound said this was his best album. What huh. say you? I would. I won't, I won't say it's his best album. Uh, I thought it had great textures, blended Manson and Shooter's strengths together really well. Uh, so it was like nostalgic yet modern. Uh, Manson opened up and put a lot of emotion into it, which I really like. Uh, it's not necessarily the Manson that I grew up with, but we talked about it earlier, you know, his maturity growing up, you know I mean? He's got to grow a little bit. So I think he, the sonic touches and his growth as an artist, uh, made it better than what I expected. Uh, Cause I think uh, they blended their styles together so well, that makes me rate the album well, because I currently find myself gravitating more towards music that are defying the typical boundaries of their genre. So, you know, you expect the heavy stuff from Manson and you expect Southern rock from shooter and together they made a, uh, like a mashup, so to speak of their two. And they've got great, you know, great examples of both on this project. Uh, my, uh, ratings averaged out at a 4.1. So, uh, you know, solid album, you know, even, even with the song that I'm probably going to skip from here on out, uh, most of it is listenable, you know, over and over again and passing fans who just judge it off of the name probably should give it a listener to just to, you know, catch up and get rid of the 25 year old, you know, stigma that comes with his name. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He is, he is of the age that the parents were that were telling, you know, saying that he's the antichrist and destroying the youth. The dude's 51 years old. And to be fair, that's what he was trying to do. And that's what he was saying. He was, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't try to hide that. No, Um, no, absolutely not. I would, I would give this a four and a half out of five. And I would say this is probably my second favorite Manson album behind mechanical animals. Yeah, and that, and that's just just personal preference, but I think this is probably his most complete, well-rounded. I would definitely his most complete, well-rounded project in the last decade. Oh yeah, easily, especially when you the way you talk about the last three and how they you know weren't very well put together at all. Yeah, and and that's that's just me. I you know I, people I I have not went in depth as far as reviews on those albums so like maybe the the hardcore fan base doesn't agree with me but personally the the, la- the three albums prior to this i wasn't a fan well based on the sales alone they trickled down pretty hard yeah after eat me drink me so after interscope stopped promoting it seems like it kind of fell pretty hard yeah, and so, so, but the one after that, the high end of low, I really enjoyed, and a lot of people didn't. So maybe I just have slightly different tastes. But yeah, I mean that it did one hundred and forty eight thousand, you know, in 
that's just kind of where it's at. That was the last Interscope yeah. uh, release, which kind of makes sense because they don't like selling that fuel for project. But all right, so uh, unfair to compare. Yeah, yeah. Two artists that created their career on the fringes of the underground. Yeah, Tech Nine and uh, Atmosphere. So, I. Would it be fair to say that Atmosphere caught on first? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would. I think in order to really talk about these artists, we're going to have to talk about the first time you heard the artist because they, they have two different ways of being presented. Like, so the first time I heard Tech... Well, obviously was the anthem with Eminem, Chino XL, Pharrell Mach, you know, that was a big thing. But in 99, Tech wasn't the guy. Like everybody listened to that song for Eminem because he was the next it thing and everybody knew it. So I really didn't get into Tech until I picked up the single slash album sampler for Slacker and Absolute Power in like 2002. So that led me to go back and listen to Angelic, the original pressing, you know, so that was my first full experience with that. And then atmosphere is like totally different, like way that I heard him. So uh, in 2003, I was working at Target in the electronic section and the trying to find the balance music video came on every hour. And it was, oh, it was wow. crazy. I that was, was like, oh, when, like the, like, that was when like the CDs were in like the middle of the store. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, oh, shit, that's that's dope. You know what I mean? Like, because there's a bunch of pop stuff. And you got to think 2003 was like the Black Album, you know, Ja Rule versus 50. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Like, that was what was going on. We we're talking PG unit, and this is the thing in Target. So I went to go find it, and it wasn't even out yet. So I was like, oh, well, that sucks. So, you know, I went and I found God Loves Ugly. So that was my first full experience. So we're talking right around the same time <clears throat> listening to Angelic and then the first bit of Absolute Power, and then God Loves Ugly, and Seven's Travels, like, all at the same time. So we're talking two polar ends of yeah. underground music at that time. So, if I remember correctly, the first time I heard Tech was probably on some psychopathic feature. Uh, yeah, so that, that'd be right. Psychopathic records. 2000, you know, yeah. early 2000s. First time I heard Atmosphere was when you gave me an MP3 CD that had uh, You Can't Imagine on it. Oh, uh, yeah. Good one. So I would, I would think that I probably found Tech first because I remember waiting a long time forever ready to come out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a thing. Because I remember, I believe you had like three or four leaked tracks off of ever ready. And we would put yeah. them on CDs for months and months and months because the album yeah, wasn't they, out yet. Yeah. Back then strange was doing the, um, promo singles like they did for absolute power. Like I don't even remember singles, what those. Yeah. Were. Yeah. yeah. I so, remember, they, like, they... so I think I can probably remember what they were. It was jelly sickle. Yes. Sir, um, that. that Jelly Sickle was one of them. Uh, Come Gangster was one of them. Yeah, I'm trying to scan the thing. Uh, it's either Beast or Riot Maker would be my guess off the. I 
think it was Riot Maker. Yeah, because it that was definitely about right. But yeah, so definitely that was uh, yeah, that was a good time. It's so weird now because I remember us waiting so long between Absolute Power and Ever Ready. At least it seemed like a long time. But we're talking now, four years between the two. Okay. All right. So it was a long time. Whereas now you get a new tech project, it seems like every six months. Yeah. Well, they changed their, their marketing, the way they do it to adapt to streaming now. So if you look, they release two EPs for every LP that they release. Yeah. I did notice that it's the last go around. And, and it's good business because they can market, you know, instead of them marketing the singles, which is what most people do now in the industry. So they release like four tracks instead of one because you know one person will play out one track relatively quickly so they have at least four and you listen to them for you know three or four weeks a month or whatever and then they get ready to do another one so they're pretty much on the no limit plan uh of dropping stuff you know every two weeks you're going to have a strange music release of some sort of three four songs and then you know then they'll drop a full release of those plus another four songs and i think it works well um overall I, yeah, became, yeah, I mean, really when I became as much of a fan. Like, if, if you make me go into your back catalog, you, you know, you've essentially made me a fan at that point. And, and both artists did that. And, yeah. And yeah, I was just... Go ahead. I said, yeah, definitely. Because, like, I'm looking, I'm jumping in an absolute power area era, and the one before it is Angelic. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not, there's no fault there. Like, you can't fault Angelic for anything. And then atmosphere, it was going from Seven's Travels to God Loves Ugly, right? You know, but, uh, so like, Seven's two, Travels two, was all old tracks, though. Wait, no, 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 no! I'm thinking of Headshots. I'm thinking of Headshots. You're right. Travel, yeah, I was trying to find the balance and everything. Uh, so yeah, so like going back to God Loves Ugly and Angelic, you know, you can't really find flaws as a hip hop fan with either one of those albums. Right. Yep. That's for sure. So, and it so they're all built fan base off of that. Yeah, but it's it's kind of funny because they're both very different artists, but they they both, you know, were underground artists that that gained national recognition. And I almost feel like I became a fan of them in the same way. And I stopped listening to them about the same time. Um, So, yeah, see, yeah, tech, he like you stopped listening to him when he went the more commercial-ish route, like when he started sounding commercial. Yeah. And then Atmosphere started going the live instrumentation route. Like they yep. sounded they sounded different than what you wanted. And like, so when I go back and I listen to those projects, I'm like, yeah, no, they're dope. They're not what I want, you know? So I take the pieces I really like. And then like, now they're starting to kind of come back around a little more to the things that made them with tech doing, you know, more of the B-boy tracks on his last one, last couple, you know what I mean? And like kind of getting back to KOD kind of type stuff, you know, with like yeah. C and stuff like that. So like they kind of go back and forth. So like that brings me to things I like, I actually like about the two groups is like tech. He can adapt to pretty much anything. So that's why I like tech. Like if you get a tech feature, you know what tech's going to do. He's going to destroy it the way tech does, you know? Like, and then when you have atmosphere, they have a definitive sound. Like I listened to their Spotify top tens, you know, before this, just to see what everybody else was listening to. And like the top 10 Spotify for atmosphere represented 
a variety of years from like God loves ugly all the way up to new stuff. And I like play, I played them all straight 10 straight down. And I was just like outside of the remix that was, you know, more electric than it should have been. Uh, they see almost seamlessly fit together. And we're talking about over a decade. And then I go and I listen to texts and I'm just like, it made me think, you know what? I'm really a bigger fan of old texts because all the tracks on there were pretty much ever ready and newer. So they were more of the commercial vibe. I think the oldest one on there was Caribou, which is obvious because, you know, that was the one that catapulted him yeah. out, out of the underground to the white, to the white girls pretty much. Right. So I think the reason I, yeah, so you're right as to why I, I stopped listening to them. But when I, so with tech, you know, I liked ever ready. Um, I liked the first two collabos album. Wasn't a huge fan of killer. If I remember correctly, neither were you. Yeah, it was, it was, it was polished. Like everything he was doing on ever ready, the religion with getting the features and stuff. I was like, cool. I understand what you're doing. It's good. You're making everybody come to you. And then when he did killer, I think he did the exact opposite. Like he got the features and kind of adapted more commercially. Cause like I said, I thought Caribou kind of catapulted him, you know, towards the trajectory where he was going to be a mega artist. Mm -hmm. And then when he dropped misery loves company, I was like, Oh, you know what? He could, he could just do it, you know, without changing. And then killer coming back right after misery loves company, I think was just a, the disappointment in the placement of it. Like you listen to Miserless Company, it's all hard tracks. You know, it's more of a mixtape, but you know, it was yeah. the tech that you loved. And then Killer, you know, you got soft tracks. You know, it was more polished. You know, like basically shiny suit, bad right. boy area version yeah. of techno. And it's, and then so I remember KOD coming out, and I really enjoyed KOD. And yeah, then I, I kind of yeah, and then I kind of stopped listening. After that, I mean, I, I, you know, I'd listen to tracks that were recommended to me or tracks that maybe had a feature that I was interested in. But like at that point, I really stopped paying attention. And I feel like at that point, that's when I felt like he knew tech music was we were getting oversaturated. Yeah, just looking at the release dates, we were talking uh, after KOD, they did the next mixtape in a year later. And then all sixes and sevens was 2011. So about a year later. And then later that year, they did Welcome to Strangeland. So yeah. it was another mixtape. You know what I mean? So I could, I could definitely see that. And with the additions of the other strange releases, you had a, I think you had two Chris Calicos in that era. And, you know, right. there would have been a cut Calhoun uh, in there as well. So, yeah, there was probably a definite saturation concern for that. And then with was- Atmosphere, I, I can remember why I stopped listening. And so I actually talked to Slug about this. Um, I believe it was through MySpace. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> so, so I, you know, after I, you know, I loved You Can't Imagine. Um, and then When Life Gives You Lemons was good. But with when with that album, I felt like they took always coming back home to you and tried to make an entire album out of it, which yeah, was I think, fine I think for what that it album now. I think it's better now than it was when it was released. Right. Like, Cause we've grown since then. Like, so I find myself enjoying it more I'm, now. Yeah, than I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because so after that is when I kind of stopped listening to atmosphere and not, you know, because of the, there was the live instrumentation, which I, again, I felt like we, 
all right, let's go back to doing what we were doing. That was good. And the subject matter changed a lot. It, I think that's when he, they became quote unquote dad rap. And and not that I wasn't a father at the time. I just don't think my maturity level was there yet. And when I talked to him about it, I'm, you know, and I pretty much asked him, you know, why don't you rap about being in the bars anymore? Why don't you rap about this or this? And he, and he told me straight up, he said, I don't make music for you anymore. Yeah. yeah. I make music for me. And, you know, I didn't quite understand that at the time. Again, it was a maturity level, you know, I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm your fan. You should make, I didn't say this to him, but in my mind, I'm like, you know, we're your fans. Right. You should make music for us. But like, no, because then he would have given us, you know, music that he didn't care about. And, right. and, and now, so like with, I'm still not a huge fan of those albums. His last album, I think I'm at that maturity level where I can understand what he's talking about. Right. And they moved away from a lot of the live instrumentation. So the last uh, album, yeah. I really enjoyed. Oh man, you're kind of missing some. Then, like, you need to go back and check out Southsiders. Like, Southsiders to me was like a return to form for him, because after the Family Sign, you know, which is more acoustic stuff, like Southsiders, I was like, oh shit, he's back to rapping. Like, he was rapping, rapping. You know, the beat started to come back. There was still some live stuff in there, but like, you could tell that he was venturing out of his house and he was networking with other people. And then Fishing Flues was pretty good too. <clears throat> Yeah. I, you know, there was a few tracks off Fishing Blues I liked. Southsiders, there was actually a couple instrumentals I like. Um, the very first yeah. track on there, Camera Thief, I enjoyed. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. But yeah, they, but, it seems like they've had very similar career paths, very different type of hip hop. Um, if you were to pick one over the other, what would you go with? Oh, man, it's going to 100% be a day to day thing. Uh, but typically in my current state, I would probably say I would listen to atmosphere first, not necessarily because I think that he's a better artist, but because his music is the same. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's got a vibe to it. So like I may only have like 25 songs of atmosphere that I keep in my rotation out of the 35 ish projects he's done out of tech nines, 20 ish projects, I probably have like a hundred songs, you know what I mean? So like tech is oversaturated in my listening yeah. on random, you know what I mean? Like, so if I had like, Oh, I have to grab one CD off my shelf, either atmosphere or tech, I'm probably going to grab an atmosphere record typically, but you know, if you want to get ignorant, you know what I mean? Like tech is the one, but, uh, but no, yeah. So if I had to pick, there's really no unfair to compare. I think this week, uh, but yeah, I would probably pick atmosphere this time around. I would, I think I would pick atmosphere as well, just cause I feel like I can relate to it more. Uh, oh, yeah. but yeah, you, yeah, you may catch me on a day where I'll say tech. <laughs> yeah, there's, cause there's definitely like, there's no wrong answer, uh, with these two. And I think that when people listen to this, they're not going to necessarily know who atmosphere is coming as a tech fan. You know what I mean? Right. But if you're an atmosphere fan, you're going to know who tech is. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's inevitable that you're going to know. Yeah. I've, yeah. like, but I, I don't necessarily like go atm- the other way. Hardcore atmosphere fans are probably also hardcore hip hop fans. Yeah, exactly. So they'd have, they'd have gravitated towards tech in the early years, you know, yeah. before he became what he is now. Yeah. 
So, all right, what are you what are you listening to? What's what's on your recently added? All right, I, I got I got three, and the first one is a leftover from last week where I didn't think about the song till later on. But uh, we were talking about Paul Wall and Chameleon Air, and I was just like, oh shit, what's that one song? You True. know, how you get you're just like, what's that one song? I was like, what song is that? What song is that? And it's in love with my money. And it's for the, from the remix album. So uh, that was the first one I added. And it's for the fans of that down south Houston sound. Uh, I forget who's on the feature. It's like Mike jo- No, not Mike Jones. Somebody else. Like Slim Thug, I think, is on it. Uh, my second one is Jared Evan. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's like a singer, pop, rap. Like I got into him when he was really more of a rapper. Uh, so the song that I listened to, he just released a new project uh, like two weeks ago. Uh, it's called Splatter Paint. Features Sky Zoo, Terminology, and Static Selecta. It's for fans of like smooth hip hop, record scratching New York vibes. Like okay. he's rapping on the, like it's everybody's rapping on the song, but it's not like a gritty feel to it. It's like not, but not a happy smooth De La Soul type of thing. It's like it's like kind of in the middle of the two. So I thought it was a real good one uh, that I had to bring out. And then uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's H-U-L-V-E-Y. Luvy kind of is what it looks like. Uh, but it's Don't Play Cheap. It's kind of that singish hip-hop R&B kind of vibe for like fans of like Juice World, the baby, uh, Khalid kind of a thing where it's, you know, but it's not good enough basically to be on the radio because it okay. feels like everything you're listening to. So it's like the anti-pop, basically. Like there's, I think there's a whole like subgenre of pop music that's not popular. And I think this is one of those examples. Kind of like, uh, uh, oh, what was that dude's name? Sunreal? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like somebody, you're like, you know what? If you were signed to a major label, you would probably be more popular than you are. Yeah. Sort of but- a thing. So I was, I, uh, Sunreal came on the other day, just got, had my, my phone on random and I was like, man, I should listen to this dude more. Yeah. But, uh, so my three, uh, Conway, the machine seen everything, but Jesus, yeah. um, yeah, I had, I had never heard of this dude till he popped up the other day on, uh, Apple music. Yeah, like Con- Conway is good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you know, I gravitate towards New York music. He's not New York City; he's Buffalo. But <laughs> well, um, yeah, definitely. But but he's got that; he's still got that feel to it. Yeah, and then I got the new Lil Tecca single, "Our Time." Uh, you know, emo, rappy type stuff. Uh, it's on brand. Uh, I got a uh, Nina Simone. I put a spell on you. Um, I, me and my ah, son watched great, Hocus great. Pocus the other day. <laughs> yeah it's a great it's a great choice so yeah um and i i don't know if you've delved that deep into her discography but she's got some solid cover songs of songs that everybody knows yeah no i actually haven't uh dug that deep into her like pretty much just a surface level compilation you know listen every now and again when i get in that sort of a mood but uh yeah, yeah i have to dig it up and rabbit hole it yeah, like uh, she's got some. She did some Prince covers towards the end of her life. Uh, Here comes the sun. She covered that. Um, yeah, fair, fairly solid stuff. Very nice. Yeah. All right, so uh, that'll do it. And next week we will talk about why you should not keep silverware in your makeup bag. Hmm.
Yeah. A very pointed <laughs> conversation I think we're going to have. All right, cool.